1 Timothy chapter 3. If you've been with us, you know how we study, and we've been studying through the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a book written by Paul to Timothy, uh, a young leader in the church that he's left him at there in Ephesus. And he writes him a letter to help him understand the church, understand how the church should function, and the different aspects of the church. Last week, we uh, dealt with the first section in 1 Timothy 3, talking directly to pastors and the character that they should see. This week, we're going to see him addressing the topic of deacons. Today, I've titled our message, let me turn this on for us, Servant Leadership. Servant leadership. Batman has been a fan favorite superhero for many, many years, right? You know it, okay? I know it. It's one of my favorite cartoons, comic books, movies. I remember watching them, Batman cartoons, when I was a kid. I'd wait for after school. They only came on at a certain time, and I'd sit down, and I'd watch Batman, and I'd want to be Batman, okay? I've loved Batman uh, so much that it's become a joke with my brothers, uh, four of my brothers, uh, three older, one younger, and we we love to have fun with each other. So much so that just a couple years ago, when we got together for Thanksgiving, we had a fun facial hair day that we did. So we were supposed to do something fun, and what I picked for that day was a Batman mustache. Batman mustache. Okay, I'm thinking about bringing it back. Maybe I could easily shave that up, right, and have a Batman mustache. If you think about superheroes and comic books, you, you love Batman because he is a normal person just like you and me, but he has wealth, of course, but he's got gadgets. He's got a fun uh, suit that he wears. You want to be Batman, okay? But there is another person in the Batman saga, television shows, movies, that really is an unsung hero, in Batman, in the story of Batman, and his name is Alfred. Alfred, if you know Batman at all, you know that he would be nothing without his butler, Alfred. Alfred helped raise him as a little boy and serve him, and as he became Batman, he would not be able to do what he could do without Alfred serving, without trying to be the hero. He's there to talk to Batman through situations, to be the guy behind the computer that gives him advice. He's behind the scenes willing to serve, and not looking for any recognizable notoriety. Okay, that's Alfred. As we look at our text today, and I know that's kind of a funny beginning, right? But it brings us to our text today because we're going to be talking about the service of individuals in the church, specifically the office of deacon. As we look at the passage in 1 Timothy, we find that there are two different offices in the church that God has laid out for us through the apostles. One being the pastor, the overseer, shepherd, the bishop. That's one office. He is there to lead, to guide, direct, to spiritually care for and and think through how the church can go forward and move forward. The other office is the office of a deacon. And we're going to talk about what a deacon actually looks like, what he does today. But let's read through our text this morning. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, starting in verse 8, it says this, Deacons... Likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, 
then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good, good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, be with us as we look at your word. We ask that you uh, impress the Holy Spirit on us, help us to learn and understand what, what is being taught today, and help our hearts to be softened um, so that we can take it in and really want your help in changing to be more like you. Be with us as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage, you would recognize that we're talking about deacons, but the main thing that Timothy focuses on when he talks about a deacon is the character that is inside that deacon, what comes out of him as he lives his life, as he interacts with people each and every day is his character. But before we get to his character, I want to look at a couple questions about the deacon. Now, as we look at the deacon, we're going to see, yes, they're servants. And so the main challenge that we're going to have, each and every one of us, as we look at this text, is this. Be a faithful servant of God, no matter where he places you. Be a faithful servant of God, no matter where he places you. And the emphasis here is on servant. Someone who gives of yourself to serve, first of all, God, and then other people. And in a specific sense, as we talk about deacons, they're willing to give of their time, their efforts, everything that they have, their abilities, their talents, to serve God in a specific way in his church. So, it's a challenge to all of us. Be a faithful servant of God, no matter where he places you. But let's look at some of those questions about the office of deacon as we get started. First question we're going to look at today is, when did the office of deacon begin? And I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 6. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but we're going to end back in 1 Timothy 3. First, or let's go to Acts chapter 6. And I want to look at verses 1 through 7. We come to the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a transitional book from the Old Testament Levitical system to now a New Testament system where God is working through the apostles and things are changing a little bit. And God has given uh, the believers the church. And the church is just starting. They're being led by the apostles, and they're being taught how to function inside the church. What we find in Acts 6 is that as this, this, the church is taking off, certain things start to happen that are unexpected, and the apostles need to God's help and God's wisdom to help those situations. One of the ones that specifically comes up in Acts 6 is how to minister to the elderly people in the church to make sure that they're being cared for the way they need to be cared for. And so we're going to find this, this introduction to deacons, and they, they start in this passage. So let's read it together, and then we'll make some comments on it. Verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, Is it not right that we should give up preaching and the word of God to serve tables? Therefore, brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, 
and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timur, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. So what we find happening here is this. The church is growing, growing exponentially with a lot of numbers. And they only have certain people that are leading and, and shepherding them, the apostles at this point. And the ministries start to take off so much that those who are called to shepherd, which are the apostles at this time, but that is minister the word and prayer and think through how to help the people best, they start to get taken away from those ministries to serve tables. Now, serving tables is not a bad thing. It's a way for us to care for one another. And in this specific situation, it was how to give out food and different uh, help to people that needed that help. The apostles were being taken away from preaching, teaching, studying the word to do those specific ministries. So it came to them and they said, you know, we know that this is important, but is it as important as studying God's word, shepherding our people the way? It's different. They're different ministries and God has called us to the ministry of the word and the shepherding. So we need someone who's going to step up and do this other job of serving in which way God has called them to do that. So they thought to themselves, how do we make this happen? And so they talked to the church family about it. And they said, here's what's going to happen. We want you guys to think of people amongst us that are part of our group. Think of their character. Pick out from among you those who are godly. Put them forward for us so that we can have some people who can take on this ministry. What a couple things that we find happening in this passage The apostles see the importance of studying God's word and prayer. That They want to spend their time focusing on that because they know what's going to help people, what's going to change people is God's word. It's not the things to help them physically are good, but changing from the inside out is something that we need God's help for. And as pastors, we need time to study. We need time to, to do those things, to shepherd in that way. That is a good thing. Second thing that we see happening is that they see it as important to address the physical needs of those in the church. And because of that, they put specific things in order so that those will be taken care of. They ask the family to bring in the, give suggestions and names of those who have godly character. Now you ask, is this where deacons start? Well, the, the name deacon is not given in the text But what is given in the text, if you understand the Greek, is that the verb used for serving in this text is actually diakonos. And that is the same word that is translated the noun deacon. And later on, in 1 Timothy, Titus, and even Philippians, it's designated as a specific role, a deacon. So you have two different roles, the pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, and the deacon for the church. We see it starting right here. What else we find happening in Acts 6 is that the apostles, they did not say, find somebody who's good at this specific job, talent, task, and I'm going to put him in charge of it. No, they said, think of people who have godly character. Think of people that you have had conversations with and the way that they, they act and the way that they control themselves show godliness and point to godliness. What, what's happening here? It's all about godly character. God wants people to serve that will show who he is through them, through their life. Godly character is the importance that we find happening here. When did the office of deacon begin? 
Acts 6. Looks like it was because a need arose. The church needed to fill that need. The church was present and helpful in doing that. We see by Philippians 1, Paul says, Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. And we can look at his specific designations. Those are the two jobs of the church, the pastor and the deacon. So that's kind of where it started. Let's move on to our second question for the day. What is the job of a deacon? What is the job of a deacon? Now, this is an important question for us to ask because you say, well, if I'm going to do a specific job, I need to know the job description, right? I mean, if you're switching from one job to the next, what do you ask for with the employer? You say, can you tell me what I'm going to be responsible for? Can you tell me what I need to do, what I need to think through? That's an important thing for us to think. Well, as we just read in Acts chapter 6, and as we're going to see in Mark 10, the job description of a deacon is to be a servant. He is to serve. Now, that seems very general, vague, and, and I think purposely it's left that way that so the church can think through how they want that, that position of deacon to serve. But in the mind of the deacon and for us as a church, they are servants. They are ones who are giving themselves, not for themselves to be puffed up or raised up above others, but any way that the church needs help in serving, whatever that might be, they're individuals who are willing to take those tasks on. Let's turn over to Mark 10, 42 to 45. It says in Mark 10, it's talking about Jesus, and he gives a description of himself here. He says, and, it, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What do we find? Jesus' example himself is to be a servant. Uh, a lot of times we think of that idea of servant, and we think, I don't want to be a servant. I mean, that seems to be low or beneath me. Someone who carries food to people and gives it to them and serves them because you know, they're more important than me. That seems, ugh, I don't want to do that. What do we look at when we f- see the character of Jesus? Was that his thought? Was that his mind when he considered us? That he was great. He had the authority that he rightfully deserved, that he should be able to stay in heaven and not reach down and help us and save us. Yes, he did, but what what do we find him doing? He came to this earth. He became a servant of all to go to the cross and die for us so we would not have to pay the penalty for our own sin. Jesus Christ became a servant It is not a bad thing to be a servant. It's something we should take on to be more like Christ. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We look at that verse, we we meditate on that verse, and we say, God, help me to be a servant. It it is not an easy task to be a servant. How about you? Are, Are you a servant in your home life? Are you a servant at work? Are you one that looks to say, how can I put other people above myself? How can I be used where God has me to serve other people? 
It seems like something I don't want to do, but to be more like Christ, we really should seek to love them well and to, to love like Christ loved us. When we look specifically at the, the job of a deacon, sometimes we have been shaded by the wrong thinking of what a deacon is or what a deacon has been in the past um, or, or the way that you've heard the idea of a deacon taught. So what are some of those wrong ways of thinking about a deacon? I want to give you five of those this morning. Five wrong ways to think about a deacon. Number one, well, we need deacons that can fix things. We need deacons that can fix things. I mean, we know that he's a servant, so he's probably got to fix things around the church. You know, that means we start to look for people, well, they're a construction worker, they have this job, this ability, so that must mean that they're qualified to be a deacon. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, these things are good, they're helpful, they're useful. But, but are these the main qualifications for someone to become a deacon? Uh, that's not what we see in Scripture. What's another wrong way to think about a deacon? Number two, we need deacons that have been in church a long time. Is that a helpful thing to understand the church, to understand the history of the church, and to move forward with the church? Yeah, it is. It's helpful. It's not the main thing that we need to focus on, okay? Number three, we need deacons that are good with budgeting. We need deacons that are good with numbers and able to understand a spreadsheet. You know, that, that's, a, that's a talent that's great. Are these bad things to have? No, they're not. It, but if they have those type of talents, but they don't have the character that we're going to talk about in a minute that is, is explained in the text, then they're not meeting the qualifications for a deacon. These are wonderful talents and abilities to have and for the church to use in the rightful place. Number four, we need deacons that have savvy business or have business savvy. Well, pastors, I know, they went to seminary. They really studied the word and how to preach and teach. But we need some guys in there that have business savvy, that can really control or understand how to, how to make the church move forward as a company. What we need to realize, the church isn't a company. And, and we, that's not the main thing that we need for our deacons. Last one, we need deacons that will shepherd the church with the pastors. We need the deacons that will shepherd the church with the pastors. Now, don't take this as meaning that pastors are out on their own doing their own thing. We don't get any advice from anybody. That's not the case. And especially how our church functions with our deacons. Um, we, we give, Pastor Dan and I, um, we give a lot of suggestions and ideas that we come, and we want to get their ideas and their thoughts. But we do see a distinction in the difference between the pastor and the deacons. The pastors are giving the guidance and direction of the church and trying to think of the church as a whole group that, we, that we're trying to minister to everybody. In, in, in our church, we have different age groups <clears throat> that we're trying to develop ministries for this age group and that age group and come together as, as a whole. And so these are some different ways that we have thought wrong about deacons. So <clears throat> what is the main purpose of a deacon? It is to be a servant. So, someone who serves and who serves well. I'm personally thankful for the deacons that we have at Faith Baptist Church and the servant's heart that I've seen in the deacons that we've had have at Faith Baptist Church. Now, this isn't something that I've talked with them about, but I do want to address some of the things that they've done recently that have really helped out the church. You know, deacons do not serve to get noticed, to, so everyone says, good job, pat on the back. But there are times we've got to realize there's people that are serving right around us and we've got to thank God for Max Day, 
He is, Max, give us a, a wave here. I want people to know who our deacons are. Max is our deacon, and he's our deacon over a jail ministry, missions committee, seniors ministry, and membership. And once a month, he leads the seniors uh, ministry, and I was just able to sit through uh, most of it on Friday. Each and every month, that is something that he does to serve the church. Uh, he puts a lot of time and effort getting different speakers in and really caring for that, that age group. And I really appreciate his servant's heart and his, his ability and willingness to do that. So thank you, Max. Another deacon that we have is John Ball. I know he's here, but I think he's on duty. So he might be out walking around. Uh, John, he's the tall guy. You can't miss him, okay? Um, John is over greeters ministry, ushers, and benevolence. And even just recently, I've, I've been able to talk with him. And when I have questions, especially about benevolence, people who call the church and are asking if we can help them in some sort of way, I give John a call. He's over that. And so I, I have him talk to those individuals. And then we get together. We talk about what we can do for them. I really appreciate his being willing to do that. I don't always have the right answers or the, the, the know-how to, to deal with that. So I lean on people who will serve in that way. He's over that. He's also over greeters and ushers, and that's a task in and of itself to get those, those lists filled out and to be on top of people, and he's serving in that way. Greg Jedlinski. Where's Greg? Right down here. Give a wave. Okay, I, he knew it was coming, all right? <laughs> Greg. Greg is over building interior, nursery, and kitchen. And just recently, Greg, you may not have even known it because we don't always talk about it, but our baptismal, which comes out of the ground right here, was having some issues that we needed to get up, updated so that they met code. Okay, I'll tell you this, this is a headache. <laughs> you have to spend hours with the inspectors and you have to, you know, do all kinds of things to make sure that it's up to code. Greg took that on himself. And many, many times he came back over here to meet, give me the update, he'd give Pastor Dan and I the update. And Greg, thank you for your service. I mean, that's stuff that you guys don't see, but I want you to understand the servant's heart of our deacons. Okay, Rick Abair in the back. Give a wave, Rick. Come on. You know. <laughs> Rick's in the back. He is over grounds, exterior, van maintenance, garage maintenance, and treasurer. So if you know Rick, he's, he's always here in the background doing all kinds of stuff. One of the things he's been uh, very hands-on lately about is the ground stuff. We've had different storms that have come through, which means trees get knocked over, and someone has to be in charge of calling people that can help, setting up work days. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a Wednesday that we all came together to work. Rick's the one that was behind that, setting that whole thing up. And thank you for your servant's heart, Rick, and I really appreciate that. Last one who's not here today is Nate Jensen. And he's over the business manager, uh, audit committee, nominating committee, ordinance preparation. And one of the things he's done recently, he's really taken on himself, is uh, our church is in the middle of having to switch from one internet company to a different one. Uh, the one we had just was not going to provide uh, service to our location anymore. And so you know how that goes. Talking on the phone multiple times, trying to get technicians out here set up. He did a lot to set that up so that the guy would just... You know, they take those extra service things on themselves to serve the church well. They don't do it to get a pat on the back, to get a, anything like that. We see men like this, and, and I wanted to specifically mention these things so that we as a church family 
know who our deacons are and recognize they're serving. They're serving in, in the ways that you don't see. I want to recognize them because we want to be like them. We hold them up. We see the characteristics that Scripture puts that they're servants, and we want to serve like they serve. So the second question we answered today was, what is the job of a deacon? And his job is to be a servant and to be a servant leader. That brings us to our third question, where we're going to turn back to 1 Timothy. Question number three, what is important to God about deacons? What is important to God about deacons? And I've mentioned the general understanding that the main character or, or the main important thing to God is character. But in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13, he delineates that. He, he divides that out and says, what character qualities are important for a deacon to possess? And that's what I'm going to look at this morning. I'm going to give you four different ones as we look through our text. And I'm going to switch around our text just a little bit in the sense of we're going to address uh, verses 9 and 10 first. Four answers that God gives us. Number one, what's important to God about deacons? One, that they, are, that they really know Christ. That they really know Christ. Look at verse 9. It says, They must hold the mystery of faith, of the faith, with a clear conscience. Hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. It means that they understand their sin before a holy God. They've had a point where they've recognized that they cannot save themselves and that they need God and his son Jesus Christ to pay that penalty for them. That they, they willingly admit this and teach this to people who are around them. Jesus Christ is who I love. Jesus Christ is who I serve. Yes, I might be a servant of the church, but even what supersedes just serving the church in a local setting is serving my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They have a, a, an understanding of who Jesus is, and it's clear to them. They've grown in different ways, in different areas at times, but they have a, a clear conscience when it comes to the mystery of the faith. What else we find is that verse number 10 says, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. This idea of tested, it doesn't tell us what this testing looks like, but we can say that they've had a time period where they have been Christians and they've had things that they've walked through and other people can remember times they've had interactions with them and they act like a Christian. They, and even when they fail, they act like a Christian. That They want to come and ask for forgiveness. They want to get things right. It's more important to serve God and to love God than anything else. They've had a time of testing or maturity. It says, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. If this time of testing goes on and they've said that they've been a Christian for a long time, but the way that they live or the way that they act or respond shows that they're not maturing as a Christian should, or they're not willing to act like Christ when addressed in a situation, then they're not ready to be a deacon at that point yet. Okay? They must really know Christ, and they must really look to serve Christ. What's another answer that God gives us? Go back up to verse 8. What is important to God about being a deacon? Verse 8 says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So not only do they have to have a salvation testimony and maturing, but that maturity comes out in their actual actions. It says deacons likewise must be dignified. This word is an overarching word that really includes all of their character. It means they're seen as noble, honorable, 
uh, stately, this idea that people that see them and know them, they respect them. Okay, this is what should characterize a deacon. Then he gets into some specifics and he says, one, they should not be double-tongued. That means when they talk to one person, what they say to that person is still going to be the same thing that they say to a different person, even though you know maybe these two different people have different opinions. They're not ones that look to say something to one person that they know they're going to try to get on their side about something and then not, not say that same thing to somebody else. They're not double-tongued. They're not liars. They're not trying to gain notoriety or gain followers. They're servants. They're not double-tongued. What else we see is that specifically, they're not addicted to much wine. They're not addicted to much wine. They don't put things into their body that is going to control them or steer them away from being able to control themselves because they want to serve God with their mind and with their body. The more that you put something into your, if you put something into your body that controls you, it takes you away from being controlled by the Spirit and being able to function in a way that's going to please God. Not addicted to much wine. Lastly, not greedy for dishonest gain. Not greedy for dishonest gain. The reason that they become a deacon is not to be seen or viewed by everybody as someone who's made it as a Christian. It's not dishonest gain as I want notoriety. I want uh, to be lifted up. That's, that's not the purpose of their position. They are willing to take on a deacon role, even if it's something that's difficult, tough, maybe you got to fit it into my schedule, i got to mix things around, because they want to serve. That seems very weird for us to say, I'm willing to do all of that because I want to serve, and I don't want to get noticed, and I don't want it to be about me, but that's what these individuals and these characters show in their life. They don't want it to be about them. They want to serve Christ, and they want to serve his church. They act in a way that pleases God. What else do we find about them? Number three, that they lead their families well. Look at verse 11 and 12. They lead their families well. And if if you're thinking about these characteristics, they align very closely with the characteristics of a pastor. The one that really is not shown in here in the text, is that they have to be able to teach. The pastor, the shepherd, has that responsibility of being able to take God's word, study God's word, explain it, and teach other people. But deacons, they don't have that, that role listed in here. That doesn't mean that they can't teach and they can't grow in that area. We want them to, and a lot of our deacons do teach. Um, but we don't see that as a requirement for the deacon. Number three, though, that they lead their families well. Look at verse 11 that their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. First, we have also a requirement for the wife, the spouse, of one who is going to be considered uh, for the deacon role, that his wife must be someone who shows the character of Christ in her. She's dignified, again, respectable by all, not slanderer. She does not look to take what she hears tear other people down, take what she hears, spread that to any other, other people. That's the role of the wife of a deacon. So what's that mean? As we consider what a deacon is, we also have to consider his wife and, and what her characteristics and qualities um, are as well. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Then verse 12 says, Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. These are the two descriptions that we talked about last week as well. 
the first one, the husband of one wife, is not, again, so much talking about someone who has never been divorced. It's saying that in the here and now of taking on that specific Christian, he is someone that everybody lifts up and says he is a one-woman man. The Greek text of this passage, again, can be and is translated a one-woman man. He's the husband of one, wife, of one woman. Everyone who sees him knows he doesn't flirt with other people. He does not look to go outside of his marriage to get noticed by other women. He is a one-woman man. The other thing is that he manages their children and their household well. He cares for his family. He loves his family. He wants to train them in the ways that God tells them are important. And he does not want his kids to turn away from God and, and the principles and the teachings of God because he knows that if they do that, it is hurtful and difficult and, and hard for their life. And he knows that Jesus Christ and serving him is the best thing for them. He loves his family, and he shows it by spending time with them and caring for them and, and doing the tough things of putting off other responsibilities so that he can make sure his wife and his children are cared for well. He cares about his family. When, when the people in the church look at a deacon and they look at a pastor, they have examples as to how to love their family. That's what we're looking for in deacons, that they lead their families well. The last thing we find from our text is that they serve God well. That they serve God well. Verse 13 says, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. They serve, uh, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing before God. First of all, we see they're more concerned about serving God and giving service to him. They serve God well, and in that, they get great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. It's not for their own personal gain, but it is for Christ Jesus they serve God well. Now, in our church, what we do as a church family is each and every year, we nominate specific people to fill the role of deacon. The deacon in our church, church or the deacons in our church, they run three years, and then they are replaced by another deacon, or they're reelected and voted on once again. We are a congregational church, so we have that, that whole process that happens. So right about the September time, what we do is we ask the church family to think about individuals who meet the characteristics of a deacon and then put, put a name forth for the deacons that need to be replaced. Okay? So, as you think about that, think about this question. How should I determine who to nominate for a deacon? How should you determine who to nominate for a deacon? It's not their abilities. It's not their talents. It's not how good they are at budgeting. The thing that we find in the text, more than anything, is their godly character. Consider their godly character first. And as we as a church family, it's coming up very not, not too, too far from now. As you think about, as, as a church, we're going to tell you, we have one or two spots that usually get replaced. As you put a name forward, think about the godly character of that individual. Have you ever had opportunities to have conversations or interact with a person or work with a person? And the people that you know show Christ, love Christ, you can see it in their actions. Those are the ones we ask as a church family, you nominate to be a deacon. Here's another question. What if I'm asked to consider being a deacon? What if I'm asked to consider being a deacon? Maybe that's something you've had in the past. 
Well, here's some things. If you're asked to be a deacon, first of all, be humble. Be humble. You know what that means is that someone has watched your life. Someone has seen that you love God and you want to serve him. And be humble about that, that God has helped you grow in a way that they, they want you to serve because you're a, an example of Christ. Another thing, if someone asks you to serve, be thankful. Be thankful that you have the opportunity to serve as a deacon. Third thing, be willing. Be willing. Be willing to really think through your, your, light, your situation. How many, uh, you know, everybody is busy, let's say that. And if there's times that two, three years in a row, you find yourself saying, no, I can't do it this year. No, I can't do it this year. You know, it could be pointing to the fact that you think something is more important than the idea of serving. Now, I'm not being too hard-handed on that or heavy-handed because I understand there are times when we're busy and we, we cannot take something on. But at the same time, we have to be challenged to say, how can I be a servant? And if God is presenting this opportunity and others are saying, you would do a good job and your character show the qualities of Christ, I think we really need to consider, am I willing to do that, to take that on? So those are a couple thoughts to be willing and to, to thank uh, those who are deacons. So as we end it today, we've, we've learned about deacons, but really we've learned about the heart of a servant, one who cares about Christ, wants to serve him, what do we do at the end of this? One, thank our deacons. Thank our deacons. Maybe you don't see them a lot, but we've kind of mentioned them today. Just tell them thanks for your service. Thanks for serving God in our church. Another thing you do is pray for our deacons. They are uh, working and they are helping the pastors in every way um, as we bounce ideas off them and as they, they work hard in the church. And then the last thing, be like our deacons. Be like our deacons. They're the ones that we look at their character. Scripture says they're showing who Christ is. Be like them. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that is the perfect example um, for us to follow. But God, we also thank you for uh, Christian individuals that you've helped to mature in their life, Lord, so that we can follow their leadership, follow their character, because in following them, we're following you. And so, God, we thank you and help us um, to be humble and willing servants for you, Lord. Thank you for our time and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.